Bible. Just say, this is my Bible. I believe it is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. Amen. That's a strong confession. Amen. I, I tell you, uh, Jesus, there's so much I think God wants to, you know, the neatest thing about God, amen, is God. Amen. For real. I was at uh, a while ago, it was like, uh, actually it was when we were in campus ministry years ago and it was how to get, you know, more students to come and, and it was good. But man, the only thing that was left out was Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, do this, do this, do this. And, but Jesus is why we're here. Amen? His presence, his love. And uh, amen. All right. So we're going to enter into some things today. I think they'll be a, a blessing to us. Go, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. We'll start off there. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. Mark chapter 4. Thank you so much, Jesus. You know, the neatest thing I really want to encourage you is that God relates to you like an only child. It's amazing how God can do that. You know, uh, you know there's like six and a half billion people on the earth today. But the Bible says that he relates to us as an only child, as an individual. And uh, John Dawson, he was a guy with Youth with the Missions, a missionary organization. He shared in a tract that he wrote, um, a pamphlet, The Father Heart of God. And he said, you know what? He was thinking about that. And this guy's just a super smart guy. And he said, you know, there's like six and a half billion people on the earth today. And he said, uh, the quartz crystal, the molecular structure of the quartz crystal is such that it vibrates I get 13 billion times a second. I can't even fathom that. But he said if God can only think as fast as what he's created, he could think two loving thoughts towards every person on the earth every second without straining his ability to think. But amen. I don't know how he does it, but we just thank him that he does. Amen? amen. Glory to God. But I said that because uh, God wants you to personalize. You know, the, the scriptures, he wants you to see Everything he does in relationship. Amen. And I believe God's breaking like religious traditions, like the paradigm, like that the pastor does all this stuff. And, you know, and God wants every believer, you know, the church is to equip people and it's a family, but for every believer to be able, I mean, to do the works of God, have an amazing relationship. No one is ordained to have a closer relationship with God than anybody else. Amen. And that's what we're going to share on a little bit today. I mean, if I can do it, you can do it. You can do it, I can do it. I understand God gives different gifts like, you know what I'm saying, I'm not a doctor. Can you imagine me, you going to me for surgery? You're dead shaking your head. I mean, I have a hard time putting oil in my car. You know what I'm saying? You don't want me to be his position. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Lord Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We all have different gifts. You know what I'm saying? But all of us are ordained to enter into intimacy with God, that's, that's amazing. Uh, someone shared something recently. I heard it was so good. They were sharing, you know, uh, and it was just really, really good. And they said, the person, they weren't a Christian. They said, man, you're one step away from being a hero, from entering into 
just amazing destiny, you know, and God has that for all of us. Amen. All right. So what we're going to share uh, today is, is just how God personalizes things to us and how every person has an amazing destiny. But more than that, I can't say more than that, but with that, we're going to share how the enemy tries to negate destiny. You know what I'm saying? He tries to get us to misperceive God and, or, or, or misperceive ourselves because we messed up or maybe we've been hurting an area and, man, we generalize it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's easy to do that. Even, in, you know, in church, I mean, people have been literally, they've been hurt by churches. Man, we had a radio station in, uh, you know, where Channel 40's blessed us. We're in television a lot with Channel 40, Faith and Family Channel, and that's a blessing. We had a radio station, and I had a, was this in Butler and uh, area, and a lady called in, and I'd shared in the service in, in, on the radio. I said, man, if anybody's been hurt by church, like, you know, you go into a church and you're not wearing the right clothes and this and that, and You've been offended. So she called up. She said, man, when I was nine years old, she's like 50. She said, 41 years ago, I walked into a church, didn't have the right clothes on, didn't have the, not from the right, you know, man, wrong side of the tracks. And he said, I was belittled. I was degraded. She said, man, for 41 years, I said, man, I will never, ever go to church again. And it hurt a relationship with God. But I talked to her over the phone and said, you know what? That was a bad experience, but that's not what church is about. There's good churches, and it's not like anything that's good and bad. And, uh, you know, she gave her life to Jesus big time, and, and then she started going and just walking with God. So what I'm saying is this. There's, uh, don't let, if you messed up, that define you. If you've had a bad experience, don't let that generalize to the enemy being able to use it, amen, to bring to take away your destiny. All right. So amen. All right. Did someone say amen to that? Amen. amen. Well, that's a good amen. All right. In Mark 4.35, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, just listen. It's fine. It says, The same day when evening was come, uh, Jesus said unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in a ship. And it's amazing. We think of these you know, Jesus was in this little boat. No, it was a ship. You don't put 13 guys in a little boat. You know what I'm saying? It was a ship. And it was so big that, man, well, we'll read this, that they couldn't even find him. You know what I'm saying? He was asleep on the ship when something happened. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Wow. I mean, can you imagine this? Now, they're going to help somebody, Okay. A guy's crying out, you know, he's really hurting. And Jesus picks up his cry, and he's going to, to help this guy in a place called the Gadarenes. And, uh, man, so they're going to help him. And a lot of times when you go to help somebody, you know what I'm saying? Man, that's when there's a storm tries to come up to keep you from helping that person. Man, I've had that happen so many times. I remember the... Bear Foundation, they called me up and said, you know, there's a young man, he's a freshman at college, he's struggling. And uh, can you go visit him? And I was busy, and, but then, and then I said, well, I'll go tomorrow. And man, I got sick, couldn't go, and then something else happened, and it's like, oh my gosh. And, uh, but finally when I went down there, 
you know, uh, this kid was just in great need, just tremendous need. It was actually suicidal, just great need. So the enemy many times tries to keep you from doing good. Amen. See, a lot of times we think trials come because we've done something wrong. They didn't come because you're doing something wrong. Most of the time they come because you're doing something right. Okay? And we need to understand that. So, man, we got a ship. It, it, I mean, it's filled with water. Sometimes we don't, we read the Bible, but don't read it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, David with the lions. Sometimes, you know, I take my grandkids like to the zoo, you know, type of thing. And you stand in front of a lion it gets, and say, yeah, this is the lion that, you know, David, you know, tore in pieces. And, but man, the ship is filled with water. It's sinking. I mean, they're going to die. Seasoned fishermen are in great fear. So, and Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Wow. Jesus is sleeping. Why? Because he's, he's not afraid of what's going on, right? And uh, so they, 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 they found him and they said, Cares not that we're dying. Wow. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you're not walking in faith, have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then if you read the rest of the the ensuing chapter, in chapter 5, there was a great miracle that took place in a man's life that was really in great need. What I want to share is the enemy comes and tries to keep us from destiny. He tries to bring fear into our lives. And all of us have had, man, things that, you know, Difficult things happen. We live in, in a, really a world that's kind of crazy, a lot of evil in it. And, uh, and a lot of you know my testimony before I was a Christian. My mother had spinal bifida. Man, it was just bad deal. Screamed all night, all night long. She had 17 back operations. And man, so I got bitter. I didn't know God, never heard of Jesus, to be honest with you. You can either get better or bitter. And I was bitter and I was angry and almost got killed a lot, number of times, doing some real crazy stuff. And I won't get into it. And hurt a lot of people, you know. And the bottom line is, is you know, hurt people hurt people. And, uh, but Jesus came to me and changed me. Glory to God. But the enemy tries to get you bitter, but you can get better or bitter. Thank God, you know, I got better by his grace and mercy. But uh, and they would lead her to Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So, but what I want to share today is this, that the enemy wants to get us fearful of being, he wants to make us fearful of being vulnerable. Go with me to Matthew 14. What's it mean to be vulnerable? It means that you have to trust somebody and when, even when, it's difficult to trust in the sense that outward appearances. Uh, in Matthew 14, if I can get my page turned here. I, again, we, we got something going on here in the, regarding the sea, the, you know, the water. And uh, we'll start with verse 22. But a lot of times, man, it's like 
you know, it's, it's all about trust. You know, I shared this at the healing service last night. I shared it last Sunday, but I'll share it again because I like the story so much. And I guess it's a true story. Uh, but uh, there was uh, about 150 passengers. They were on a large jet plane. And there was a lot of turbulence. I mean, you know, there's some turbulence in life. And man, I mean, they were, it was, I mean, the seats were shaking, you know. I mean, it was a bad deal. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane where there's been turbulence. I haven't flown much, but a few times I've experienced a little bit of that. And man, people, are, people that aren't Christians are, cry, are praying, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, man, people are crying. People are, it's a bad deal. And there's a little boy right across from this older lady who had her daughter there, and the daughter was crying. And so the boy's just, he's drawing like nothing's going on, like Jesus was, you know, in the hinder part of the ship, unfazed. And finally, she says, little boy, aren't you afraid? Man, the plane's rocking, man. What, aren't you afraid? The little boy's like nine years old. He, he looks up and he said, no, I'm not afraid at all because my dad's the pilot and I trust him. Wow. My dad's the pilot and I trust him. God wants us to understand his heart towards us so we can trust him. Amen. Glory to God. And he gives us his word. He gives us himself so we can trust him. Glory to God. Okay. So let's look at Matthew 14. Glory to God. In verse 22, it says, Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Wow. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Wow. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's, it's me. Don't be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, let me come unto you on the water. And Jesus said, come. All right. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is pretty crazy. I mean, you got a guy walking on the water. It's amazing to me, right? And so he's walking on the water to go to Jesus. And then Peter sees the wind boisterous. He became, you know, there's lightning, there's rain, there's wind. He became afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. Hallelujah. Okay. So there's a few things that I think the Lord wants us to see. One his Bible says you have not because you ask not. So Peter says, I, I don't know. He, he says, Lord, can I come out and walk with you on the water? Wow. Jesus said, okay. I mean, that's pretty, you know. So he's walking on the water. But here's what's interesting. When he said, Lord, let me walk on the water, it wasn't raining. The wind was not blowing. Lightning wasn't in the sky. I mean, you know, sometimes you start out to do something, man, and the sky's pure blue. No cloud in the sky. 
It's like, man, it's going to be an easy deal. You know what I'm saying? But man, then the clouds come. The rains come. There's, there's wind. There's lightning. I don't think Peter would ask them if there was, you know, blue, it wasn't blue sky. But here's the deal. He was a seasoned fisherman. He knew that people were harmed in situations like this. So he got his eyes off of Jesus began to sink. Man, but Jesus, you didn't condemn him. Man, he just, right, took him by the hand and the walk back was better than the walk out. But a couple of things we want to look at. One, there was 11 men in that boat. 11 men in that boat that just sat there. And they were watching Peter experience Jesus in an amazing way. And I think those 11 people, to be honest with you, not in a condemning way, but I think they represent most of the church today. Mm. Why didn't they get out of the boat? Because mm. they felt safer in the ship. But I'm here to tell you something today. They were not as safe as Peter because Jesus was not in the ship. Jesus was on the water. I want to encourage you. Man, Jesus is on the water. If you want to experience Jesus, the way you experience him most is when you're vulnerable, but you trust him knowing that he's not going to let you sink. I'm not going to say there's not waves, there's not difficulties, there's not things in the past we've heard of, but what I want to say is this, he's worthy. And two other things. One, he was not walking on the water. He was walking on the word that was spoken to him. Man, if he was in an airplane, you know what I'm saying? And Jesus was walking in the air and, and Jesus would have said, come. He got out of the plane and walked in the air. He was not walking on the water as much as he was walking on the word. And see, that's how God wants us to live. We live by the word of God. Man, when you don't feel like Jesus is with you, Man, you believe the word that he will never leave you or forsake you. When you feel weak, you walk on the word that says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How many of you taken that verse and used it in your life? Man, I tell you what, I'm, man, like every day, you know what I'm saying, for real? But see, God wants us to walk on his word. And you say, well, you know what? I'm not an apostle. I'm not, a, I'm not this. I'm not that. But see, here's what's so exciting to me. Who, it's not about, you know, the apostles. They were guys just like you and us, you, you and me. I mean, they, they messed up time after time, seriously. But you see, they kept their eyes on Jesus. You know, when they failed, they got up, and Jesus helped them up. I mean, they did some stupid things. I mean, Jesus getting ready to die, preparing himself to die, and these guys are fighting about who's the greatest among them. Wow, I mean, isn't that amazing? They, had, they, they were so self-centered at that time. They're, they're not thinking about Jesus. They're thinking about them. Who's going to sit on your left hand and your right? Man, I, I've said this many times. You ever see the Three Stooges? Some of you, that, you know, he, the lines about whack, 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 whack. I think I would have lined these guys up. And, Are you serious? Are you serious? He's getting ready to die. And you guys are thinking about 
who's the greatest among you? And they're fighting among themselves? And Jesus takes a basin of water and washes their feet. Why? Man, we have a God who will wash our feet. Because he was more concerned about these guys learning to live right than he was concerned about how they hurt him by putting themselves ahead of him. And Jesus does that, doesn't he? Glory to God. So they were walking on the word. Glory to Jesus. It's exciting to walk on the word, but we're vulnerable at times. Man, you don't feel like forgiving somebody. And God says, you know, the word says forgive. So you ask God for help to forgive somebody. We walk on the word and say, you know what? Again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, when you walk on the word, you will walk on the water. And the second thing was this. As long as Peter's eyes were on Jesus, he walked on the water. So that tells me it wasn't about Peter. It was about Jesus. Amen? Glory to God. So, man, but when his eyes went off of Jesus, and that's what the enemy tries to do, to get her eyes off of Jesus. It's like when that woman, was, you know, when she's nine years old, and she's excited going to church with his mom, and then she was degraded, put down. Well, her eyes didn't get off of Jesus, right? But then 41 years later, her eyes got back on Jesus. We don't want to wait 41 years, amen? We want to keep our eyes on Jesus. We want to focus on Jesus. I've shared this slide so many times. Brad, can you pull it up again? This is what communion is about. I, I take communion a lot during the day, and we try to take communion here like first uh, Sunday of the month, but communion's every day. It's just focusing on Jesus. I, I, you know, I know that's hard to look at. But what... See, this is just, this part of communion. It's remembering what Jesus did for us so we don't lose focus, amen, of his love for us. I, I know that's hard to look at. You know, the, the guy that formed these pictures, I don't even think he was a Christian. He was a scientist and said, I want to show people what it was really like after Jesus was scourged. And this doesn't even do it fully justice. I mean, but, but that he was scourged, you know, Time after time, you know, the Jewish had a custom 39 times, but he wasn't scourged by the Jews, he was scourged by the Romans. They hit 45 times. I mean, pieces of glass, cat nine tail, and it just ripped, it shredded you. Now, I, I have a hard time looking at it, but I need to look at it to remind myself of the love that he has for me in my times of trial. Amen? You can take that down. I know it's hard to look at. But we need to look at it because it helps us keep focus, amen, on his love for us. But every day when we're in his presence, we're focused on him. Amen, that's why the word's so important. The word of God isn't an obligation, it's a privilege, right? Man, because the entrance of his word gives light. It gives us light to see the heart of God, to see who he really is in the midst of the storm, when the devil said, man, where's your God? You know, where's he at? Well, I can think of that picture we just showed. I, I can think, Romans 8.32 says, man, if God sent his son, man, to suffer infinitely for you, man, he, he's, he's going to give you 
all good things. Romans 8, 32. Amen. So, you know, it is so important, again, to, to enter into this. Glory to God. All right. Let me just share something. Matthew 28, you're in Matthew anyways. Again, next thing I think what God wants to get across to us is that all of us, for real, have a destiny that's amazing. And it's not, again, we all have frailties. We all have weaknesses. We've all missed it. And, and we're, you know, and we're going to miss it in our humanness. I mean, it's not like you're going to go out and rob a bank tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully not, anyways. And, uh, but this is where Jesus is at. Jesus is able through by his Holy Spirit in you, if you're a Christian, to conform you to his image, Romans 8, 29, even in the midst of our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our frailties, he's still able to do it. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've shared this story before, but I don't like sharing it. Sometimes it's very humbling. But I was up in Schenectady, New York. I think it's between Boston and New York City. It took me a while to get there. And uh, so I was going to preach uh, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. They met in uh, junior high school. Really good church. And uh, I get up there a little bit late. Pastor says, you know, i got to get to the church. And, uh, you know, um, he gave me directions. I drove there. And so him and his wife went to the church. And, they, you know, I, maybe they thought that I had eaten before. You know what I'm saying? And he said, you know, if you could find something in the house, if you're hungry, you know, eat, you know, it's okay. I said, all right. But I was hungry. I mean, I drove pretty straight. I can't remember, like seven-hour drive or something. You go past Syracuse to get there. And, uh, man, I was just hungry. And so I couldn't find. So I looked at the cabinet. He said you could. Seriously, all I could find was these little Debbies. Did you ever see those little Debbie things, these snacks? This is a true story. I was hungry, and I liked little Debbie's snacks. That's not why I named my third daughter Debbie, okay? That's not that, all right? You know what I'm saying? But uh, so, seriously, guys, I ate over a dozen of these things. And I mean, not, not really good. You know what I'm saying? I think I ate like 15 of them, something like that. So we're in the high school, and you know, I got to the church, and you know, we're in worship. And the Lord spoke to me and said, how do you expect me to use someone like you that has, you don't have enough self-control. You just ate 15 little Debbies. Seriously. And usually the devil always tries to, you know, to bring something up. I usually say, you know, that's ridiculous. And I, I thought to myself, you got a point, you know what I'm saying? And then the Lord said to me, I'm not going to not move because you, you know, I ate these little Debbie. And, and Jesus just came in a really powerful way. There was a, a guy there, and he had uh, Parkinson's and he had dementia. And it's like we were prayed for a lady last night, well, for Parkinson, but he's got dementia. I'll be honest with you, I was so tired, I forgot that the pastor had told me that there's a guy here, his one daughter goes to our church. The other daughter flew in from New Jersey. They've been fasting and praying for him because his wife's not a Christian. He has to mention a point that they're going to have to put him in a home. And uh, so I want you to pray for him first. And I'll be honest with you, I forgot all about it. 
Must have been the little Debbie's. I don't know what it was. So this guy comes up, and he's with uh, his two daughters. I, I forgot who he was. I said, man, how you doing? He said, I'm doing fine. I said, it's good to see you. He said, it's good to see you. And everybody starts clapping. I'm like, what's up with this? So I started talking to him for a little bit. You know, I just said, Lord loves you. He said, yeah, I know. He quoted a verse. I quoted a verse. People were crying. People were clapping. Here, he was the guy with the dementia. He had not spoken intelligibly. I mean, for like five years. He'd speak like ABC 734. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus came. Well, it's obviously Jesus didn't come because of my great self-control. One, I ate all those loaded. But second, it didn't come because of me. I didn't even know the guy had the problem. I think it was his daughters, honestly, that were fasting and praying. And Jesus came. Amen. So Jesus is able to take you from one place to another. He's able to make you somebody that, man, it just has intimacy with him, knows him, used by him in the midst of our shortcomings. Amen. Glory to God. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. See, the religious person says, I've done this, 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 and this, this, and this, and this. Jesus gave an example of two people that prayed. This one guy's a Pharisee. said, Lord, I, I've done these 50 things for you, and I just, well, isn't it a privilege for, you know, you to know me? You know what I'm saying? And the other guy says, man, Lord, I, I, I really, I love you, but man, and I'm struggling with some things. And Jesus said, that guy that, did the checklist deal? He, he didn't know me. But the guy that humbled himself and said, I want more of you. I can work with him. And he blessed him. Amen? Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So in Matthew 28, most people know uh, Matthew 28, 19. It's a hallmark verse, you know, of uh, Christianity. You know, we call it the Great Commission. And it's an amazing verse. Uh, well, let's start with 18. Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. And that's an amazing verse, right? But I don't know, I've hardly ever heard the verses that preceded. And to me, that's what makes all the difference. The, in verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of the apostles doubted. I mean, come on. Jesus had been with these guys for a 40-day period. The risen Christ has appeared to these guys several times. And now this is his send-off, right? Right before his ascension. So, man, you know, there's worship. The, the risen Christ is in front of you. I mean, it's an amazing deal. But the Bible says different apostles doubted that it was him. Who did they think it was? And... and and when I read that, I thought, how could they be so out of it? You know, and God was merciful not to mention the names of those who died it, right? The Lord said, well, you do the same thing different times. But see, the reason, this encourages me. 
Because some of these guys doubted, but you know, mostly every one of these guys died for their faith. These guys entered into turning the world upside down. They entered into great faith. They entered into walking men in a way that, man, it was amazing. But see, even in the midst of these, some of the apostles are doubting him, even as he's going up, the devil's probably really saying to Jesus, man, you're leaving. Look what you left. These guys are going to, man, they're going to negate and minimize everything you died for. But see, Jesus believed in him. It was in the midst of their doubts that he commissioned them. Man, again, if I was Jesus, I think I need to stay here another 10 days with you guys, you know what I'm saying, before I commission you. But in the midst of their doubts, he commissioned them. Why? Because he believed in them. Because he knew their hearts really desired him. Okay? Amen. So, I, this, so to me, this is good news. Glory to God. This is good news. Because, man, first of all, Man, faith will work in your heart when there's doubt in your head. And that's good to know. But even when we're struggling with doubt, Jesus is with us and he believes in us. Amen? Glory to God. All right. Okay. Go with me to Judges chapter 6. I know it's kind of a difficult book to find, but it's like, I think it's like the sixth book of the Bible, the Old Testament. And uh, there's a, Man, the Bible talks about in, in Judges 6, and uh, his name's Gideon. Some of you know, you know, when you think of Gideon, he's a guy that struggled with unbelief. Man, he put out these fleeces, you know what I'm saying? A fleece is like, when you say, okay, God, if you want me to go here, then, you know, have it rain for the next five days, so I know it's you, all right? In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, so God put up with us. God doesn't lead you by fleeces, all right, you know, today. Amen? Yeah, don't, don't, don't say, you know what, you know, my finals, Grove City College is really tough right now, so Lord, if it doesn't rain the next five days, I can leave, right? Amen. That, that, that's not how it works, okay? <laughs> or your job or whatever you're at. Sometimes we'd like to leave our jobs. But the bottom line is this. But back then, You know, God put up with some things. But here's what's neat. Gideon, man, he he struggled with some things. So, but, so he's in in a place that, uh, you know, God sent a prophet to them and, and said, you know, I'm going to deliver you. But then it didn't seem like it was coming to pass. You know what I'm saying? Did you ever have God speak to you something, but man, it didn't seem like it was coming to pass. Or you're believing something didn't come, didn't seem like it was coming to pass. And uh, so Gideon's, you know, just meditating on that. All right. And uh, in verse 11, an angel of the Lord uh, came as in, in, uh, sat under an oak tree, which is Oprah. That's, that's a, that doesn't mean you need to watch Oprah Winfrey, okay? But it was an Oprah that pertained unto Joash. Abizurite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press, or in that, to hide it from the Midianites. Some translations say in the wine press. The Midianites, they were ruthless people. They would let Israel like sow and work their fields, 
And every year at the time of harvest, right when they were going to, man, be blessed in all their work, they would come at the time of harvest and they would take their harvest. And man, they were without food like they needed to be and it was a bad deal, but they feared the Midianites. So Gideon, he, he's hiding in the wine press. You know, somewhat cowardly perhaps. And then, in this, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Wow. So, how can God send this angel to Gideon and say, You are a mighty man of valor, a great warrior, when he cowardly is threshing wheat? You know, how can he do that? Well, first, God can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. <laughs> but second, see, he saw something in Gideon that Gideon did not see in himself. And if you get anything today, please get this. God has the ability to see in you and I many times what we can't see in ourselves. And that's why it's good to have people to care about you. Churches to be a place of encouragement to where when you're struggling, people around you believe in you even when you're struggling. Rather than saying, yeah, I knew that you wouldn't walk with Jesus. No, they encourage you because sometimes when you're struggling, you don't see who you really are. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes when you're struggling, things are clouded. You don't see who you really are. You see the mistake you meant. You see, man, the, the circumstances in front of you are like mountains that can't be climbed. See, Jesus saw his heart. So he comes and he, he says, man, thou great and mighty warrior. Wow, that's, that's awesome, right? And Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, if, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all these miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the, it seems like the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said something that seems like it doesn't make sense to what he just said. He said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? What was the might? It's, it's this. Gideon was seeking God. A prophet came and he was excited. And it didn't seem like it was coming to pass, but he's seeking God. See, that was his strength. When you seek God, you will get God. And that was his strength. Man, it's, it's so neat. When you take a step towards God and seeking him, even asking him, Lord, what's up with this or what's up? Man, God will honor you when you seek him. Glory to Jesus. And man, so this whole story, it'll take a time, but let's go through a little bit of it. So, he, so here's what Gideon says. He said, Lord, my Lord, we're with, well, how could I do anything like this? My family is poor in Manasseh. It's the least of the tribes. And I'm the least in my father's house. So basically he said, I'm the least of the least, man. I'm not a candidate 
to be used by you at all. Don't you get it, Lord? I'm, I'm, I'm hiding in the, in the wine press. You know what I'm saying? And here's what God says. He says, I will be with thee, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. Here's the neatest thing, guys. If God is with us, and as believers, if God is in us, and we know he is, even though we have failed to these weaknesses, I tell you what, it's going to be all right. Glory to God. You know, I've said this many times, three of my main mentors in Christianity, I tell you, these guys were not most likely to succeed in their class. And two of these guys were in like hell's angels deal. But they came to Jesus. And another guy, uh, Mark Geppert, uh, he was not, man, kind of tough guy as well. But these guys have really helped me. But the thing about these guys, one, they have a lot of humility. Because they know it's not about them. You know, they never went to seminary. They never went to this. And I'm not against that. But these guys got a hold of God. And they knew it was not about them. It was about Jesus. Glory to God. Coming, I forgot to announce it. I don't know when he's going to come this year. But David Hogan, he's been used greatly of God. And led a million people to Jesus plus. And he has a lot of invitations. I mean thousands. And he's going to come here. We're going to try to get a bunch of churches to work with us. And, and it's going to be a good deal. But he's just a good guy. God's used them to do, I mean, God's used them. I mean, I was sitting down with him at lunch a while ago, and he just texted, and, and, and man, there was a leper, you know. A guy lost his fingers, lost his toes, his ears. Leprosy is horrendous, and there's still leper colonies today. And David went to this guy, and he was in a cave, and visited him week after week, well, every couple weeks, and his wife made clothes for him. And I mean, it was a bad deal, man. The guy's dying. Lost his toes, lost his fingers, lost his ears. I mean, it's a bad deal. He stank so bad that David would go to the entrance of the cave and he wouldn't come out. But they'd talk. First, he wouldn't talk to David, then he, but he just sensed God. Just start telling him about the love of Jesus. Well, man, you're a leper. You're losing your toes, your fingers. You're like, love of Jesus. And David kept talking to him, man. And the guy, God accepted Jesus as a savior. It's for real, man. But the Lord said, now David, pray for him. And he kept reminded of when Jesus healed the lepers. And David's just like, man, I'm not praying. This guy's, he's like, man, Lord. He said, all right, I'll pray. Pray the simple prayer. And this is a true story as true gets. I believe it was about three weeks later he comes back. And man, he comes into the village. He ministers the lost Indian tribes like Aztecs, Mayans. And a lot of the Indians, they're stoic somewhat. And they're all excited. And uh, so this, someone came up and said, I, I thank you for praying for me. And he said, well, I don't remember praying for you at all. And he said, yeah, yeah, you, you prayed for me, man. You came and shared the word with me. And David said, man, who are you? It was a leper, man, for real. New fingers, no toes. New toes, new fingers. I mean, a new man. Someone says, I have a hard time believing that. Why do we have a hard time believing 
that the God of the universe could do that. But I said that to say this. Most of the people that mentored me, man, I, I like these guys because it's all about Jesus. Amen? A amen? Glory to God. All right. Okay. So Gideon's still struggling. He says, if I now found grace in thy sight, show me a sign that it's you that talks with me. Again, who's he think it is? All right. He says, depart in our hands, I pray that I'll come unto you. I'm going to offer a sacrifice. He went in, prepared to sacrifice. And, but, and then, uh, you know, provides this thing. And the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them on a rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the, the cakes and the sacrifice. And there rose a fire out of the rock, consumed the flesh and the animal and the... And the angel of the Lord departed. You'd think he would have got the message that this was God, right? But he says, I need another sign. He said, I, I, I got this fleece, like, you know, you, you take out of, of a lamb. And he said, you know what? I'm going to put it on, a t I'm gonna put it on the ground. And it's like, and, and the dew's going to be, cause everything to be wet, but cause it to be dry. And God says, okay. And then he says, I need another sign. He said, this time, Lord, he said, cause, you know, do the opposite. Cause the, the fleece to be wet and everything else to be dry. Hey, man, you'd think God would be losing his patience, right? But God met him where he was at. He meets us where we're at. Long story short, Gideon, man, he became one of the greatest judges of Israel ever had. I mean, this guy, Here's what's exciting. He became the warrior that God spoke to him that he was when he was seemingly a coward. Man, this guy, I mean, he brought havoc on the Midianites. And he ruled for 40 years they had peace because he was so strong. Glory to God. But God worked with him. Let me just share a few things before we get to this, and then we're going to hit one other thing before we close today. But, you know, one time he got his courage up, and they had all these idols, and he threw the idols down in the night because he was afraid to do it during the day. And, but then he got afraid again, and they said, man, we're going to kill the person that did this. And his dad stood up for him, and he said, you know, if these idols are for real, let them speak for themselves. But you see, Gideon grew in the grace and the mercy, the love of God. He became a great man. You could take almost any person in the Bible, and the Bible will share of their frailties, not to condemn them, but to show us that God Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. He takes us who are not qualified and he qualifies us by the blood of his son. And he causes us to, amen, Joe, thank you. And he causes us to enter in to being conformed to the image of Jesus. 
Woo, glory. God qualifies the unqualified. Man, glory to God. There's a minister of the gospel. He has a big church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, man, just amazing worship team and stuff. And uh, Stephen uh, Verdict, and good guy. My son-in-law knows him somewhat. One of my son-in-laws down lives in Virginia Beach. And uh, I don't know why he did this, but uh, there was a guy, I won't say his name, he's a well-known minister of the gospel, but maybe not as humble maybe as you'd like him to be. Long story short, he had 12 ministers. And he said, and this guy's real big on seminary. He said, I'm going to tell you guys if you're qualified or unqualified. I wouldn't let anybody do that. Jesus tells me, amen. But so there's 12 of these guys in there. And some of them graduated from some of the major seminaries and three-piece vests on. And Stephen just come in with a T-shirt and blue jeans. And, and uh, so at the end of the day, you know, they shared different things. And, and this guy says that, he said, there's only two out of 12 that are really qualified because of credentials, etc." And he looked at Stephen and said, you know, uh, he said, son, you will never make it in ministry. You're the most unqualified person I have ever met. And Stephen has a church like 14, 15,000 in South Carolina, churches all over the world, you know, um, worship team, amazing, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he was going to stand up for himself. Everyone stand up for yourself. Amen. And, he, and, and the Lord says, don't say a word. He says, Stephen, you got this big church. You got all this. And, and that's cool. But he said, Stephen, the reason that you have this is because you are unqualified. And I, he's a series on this, unqualified. I, I share it in counseling a lot. And Stephen said, yeah, that's right. God qualifies the unqualified. See, if you think you're qualified because your intellect, intellect's good. Joe's a professor back here. Devin's got a doctorate. We got, oh, that's good. Intellect's good. But it's not our intellect. It's not our seminary training. It's not our personality. It's not this and this and this. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. God qualifies the unqualified. Glory to God. Why? Because when we see in ourselves, it's not about ourselves. We look to Jesus. And we say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It's divine ability. It's strength in the time of weakness. Man, every day, God loves it. Now, he wants us to be confident to him in us. But man, that is, I tell you, you know, some of the, I mean, probably the best way for God to work in your life is to get the scriptures and just really confess them every day. Because he's the high priest of our confession. There's no substitute for the word of God. But you know what? One of the best prayers I think that there is when we wake up in the morning 
and saying, God, I got a lot on my plate today. Man, I got to encounter this person, and man, they're kind of tough. I got to do this, and man, it's kind of tough. I don't know if I'm able, and just say, God, I need you. See, the gospel is not saying I don't need you because I'm, I'm qualified. So accept me because I'm qualified. That's not the gospel. That's religion. Christianity is saying, you know what? I'm, I, I need you today. I need your spirit to rise up within me and give me wisdom. I need your spirit to rise up and give me strength. I need your spirit to rise up and infuse the life of Jesus into me. So it's not I who live, but Christ. I need you. Help me. Help me. Wow. Man, God, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. That's why I'm in you. Not to hitchhike a ride through life so I can see Slippery Rock. Amen? I think go somewhere else and see some mountains or something, you know, somewhere. You know what I'm saying? No, he died because he knows we need him. But see, the key is being in agreement with God. God knows we need him. We need to say, God, I'm in agreement with you. I need you. Help me. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he's our helper. He's our helper. Glory to Jesus. That excites me. Because one, it takes the pressure off of me. Because there's things God's caused all of us to do that we can't do. But through him, if I humble myself daily and say, God, it's about you, man, I really need you today as I've never needed you before. I need you. Help me. God's saying, yeah, I am not under those of a contract heart. And God says, this is why I sent my son. So I can help you. So I can have a legal right to help you. And I will raise you up. Like Gideon. I'll raise you up like the apostles. I will raise you up under intimacy with me. I will take away fear from what you've been through, from what you, you know, from trials to turbulence. I will lift you up for real. And every day is a good day because God's with us. Every day we experience the reality of Jesus strengthening us, giving us wisdom. It's like Mike, he has a lot of Bibles prison of Gideon's. Man, he went down to the jail in Butler just the day before they locked it down and they took all those Bibles. Glory to God. What if he was there a day late? Well, glory to God. It was Jesus that did that. All of us. It's exciting. But most of all, as we close, we all have needs. We've all been through things. Man, I've been through things. We've all been through things. Every day I say, God, man, I've been through some things I probably shouldn't have to go through. Every day, Lord, restore my soul. Psalm 23. Restore my emotions that kind of got frayed, man, going through this. Restore me more and more every day through your love 
through your goodness, through your presence, through your word. Man, that's what life is about. And then you can go to somebody, not like you're better than them. And man, when they're struggling or they're not a Christian, you can say, you know what? Jesus came to me. And he'll come to you. He will come to you. Because if he came to me, he'll definitely come to you. Amen? There's some of the things I was going to share, but we're running out of time. But uh, I tell you, Lord, it's so good. We do this every Sunday. I mean, if you're not sure that, you know, that you're a Christian, you're not sure that Jesus is in your heart, just with every head bowed, we, just, we always do this. I just, if you're not sure, right now, just say, Jesus, I want to be sure. Uh, just, to, just to yourself, just with every head bowed, just say, just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you. I want the one who died for me, not the one who lied to me. I want the one who died for me. I want you, Lord. I need you. I need you. I want you. I turn away from my sins and I, I, I turn to you. Forgive me and come into my life. You said that prayer. Jesus did what he said, and there's a number on your screen if you're watching this and that you can call, we'll give you free material. But I tell you, it's good to know Jesus. Amen. Can you stand up with me as we close? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you excited about Jesus? I, I, I am. He could take you from one place and put you in another in a good way. Again. Because the love that he has for you is amazing as an only child. And I just want to encourage you. I just really want to encourage you. Uh, man, God's good. Hey, Deb, I'm going to ask you to come up and just close us in prayer if you would. Okay, yeah, if you would. And The Lord spoke to me just a couple of names. Sometimes God speaks to me a name. It, it just might be somebody watching. It, it's encouragement. It's called a word of knowledge. I just heard the name Levin, and I heard the name LeBon, if that means something to somebody. I could share a lot of testimonies for you. God said, how do you know my name? Well, I don't know.